This is something I wrote for Valentine's Day this year. Um, it's called My Husband and John Keats. My husband and the English poet John Keats have something in common. When I met him, my husband, not John Keats, he was majoring in art and I was majoring in English literature. It was the third or fourth year of college and my head was filled with stories. Pride and Prejudice, Far from the Madding Crowd, Jane Eyre, my heart longed to fall in love like Elizabeth Bennet did, like Jane Eyre did. My soul yearned for romance. On a whim, I asked the kind-eyed, handsome man with the skateboard and black art portfolio tucked under his arm, the one that went by the student union kiosk where I worked every day, to the ladies' choice dance that fall. I remember where we ate and who we went to dinner with, probably because I still have a photo of the six of us at the dinner table. I don't remember the dance. I do remember the conversation. I loved that he talked about art with enthusiasm, that he knew the European masters and their histories. I'd recently returned from Europe and thrilled at the chance to talk to him about the art I'd seen. I loved that he was gentle, good-hearted, and thoughtful. I thought the date went well. I hoped we would go on another. Weeks went by and I didn't hear from him. I began to doubt. Maybe that connection I thought we had was one-sided? Finally, the phone rang and he was on the other end of the line, telling me to get tested for tuberculosis. See, that's the thing he has in common with John Keats. Both contracted tuberculosis as young men, and between our first date and that call, my, at that time future, husband nearly died. He spent the next three or four months in quarantine. When I visited, infrequently because it wasn't safe, I had to wear a face mask. He tired easily and was sick from all the medications. He mumbled on the phone a lot, so much so I often didn't know what he was trying to tell me. The murmur of his voice was alluring though, and I suspected there would be time enough later to fill in the ga gaps of what I'd missed. It was not a normal courtship. He pulled through, and by then we were in love. Looking back on it, I think the drama of our early courtship appealed to my romantic sensibilities, but it isn't why I agreed to marry him when he asked. I agreed because I knew he would love me uniquely and completely. I knew he would make an excellent father. I knew life, even the toughest parts of it, would be worth living at his side. After we were married, we went to England together. I made a point of going to visit John Keats' home. I wanted to see the place where he sat under a tree and wrote poetry. I wanted to visit the place where he coughed the first telltale spots of blood and knew that he was dying. I wanted to see the home where he fell in love with Fanny Braun. Her engagement ring sits behind a pane of glass, untouchable, a symbol of their broken dreams. Unlike my husband and I, they were never married because Keats died. That spring day, on the edge of Hampstead Heath will never leave me. I can see, smell, and feel it like it was yesterday. There were flowers out front and a very friendly cat. The house was still, and when I stepped across the threshold, it seemed to me there was a pervading sense of sadness. I don't know if I brought that feeling with me or if the house was always feels that way, but it came home with me from England. When I think of that day, I think of quiet regret, and I'm thankful my story ended differently. Over 15 years have passed since then. My husband and I have seen good times and bad. He doesn't work on his art anymore because he's so busy providing for his wife and daughter. That makes me sad, but I work full-time too. The small hours of the morning are devoted to my fiction pursuits, which he supports with unflagging encouragement. We are the same and not the same as when we met, but I love him and he loves me and as long as we are together, we can figure things out. 
Recently, I told him I thought I was falling in love with him all over again. He chuckled and blushed and took me in his arms. I put my ear to his chest and listened to his heart beating beneath me. He put his chin on the top of my head. Our daughter came into the room and demanded she be included. The three of us stood together, arms entwined, thankful for our little family. Lest they give the wrong impression, we don't always operate like this. There are plenty of mornings we're at each other's throats, but there are these perfect moments of bliss tucked amid the days of madness, and those are the moments we live for. My husband will likely never read this or hear this. He's old school. His participation in the world of technology ends at his smartphone, which he uses to call people. Gasp. You won't find him on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. He regularly forgets the password to his email account. He's silly, adorable, and sometimes infuriating. And he's mine. I can't imagine my life without him.